This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next hour. Luke Lipinski here. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Cody, I haven't seen you since yesterday after the Cardinals game when we had one of the most enjoyable post-game shows I can ever remember doing for a Cardinals game. It was nice, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, I was just talking to Dave Burns as he was walking out of the studio. Last night's win over the Dallas Cowboys was enjoyable for so many reasons, not the least of which that it was over the Dallas Cowboys. That really made it, you know, because sometimes you get a game like that where it's just, in terms of it being an exciting game, it wasn't. By like midway through the second half, you knew the Cardinals were going to win. And sometimes people tune out. You know, it's Monday night. You got to get up early for work the next day. The Cowboys are clearly done. The Cardinals have clearly won. You watched the first two and a half quarters, three quarters. I don't know any Cardinals fans that went to bed and, and, and missed the end of that game. And it wasn't that late. I mean, it started at 5 o'clock, but, or 5.15, I guess. But uh, just just enjoyable all around. And the Cardinals now, I mean, you, you have a game like that, you really do, to some extent, announce yourself to the rest of the league. Not that the Cowboys are some amazing team that everybody's looking at and saying, well, you beat the Cowboys. <laughs> Super Bowl, here we go. But you you went into their stadium... And you did it on Monday Night Football. And I thought about this after the game. You know, it's there's a couple ways that could have played out. You, you could have won the game simply with Kyler Murray being dominant. And then that probably raises the Cardinals' profile, or at least Kyler Murray's profile nationally a little bit more because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is we've, we've heard about Kyler Murray, but maybe we're not watching him on Sundays on Red Zone or with Sunday Ticket because we're watching our own team or whatever. But Monday Night Football, everybody's got to watch if they want to watch football. And there wasn't even World Series on last night. So if you wanted to watch sports last night and you live in Roanoke, Virginia, you had to watch the Cardinals and the Cowboys. So that's a way to announce yourself to all the fans that have only really heard of what you're doing. And if Kyler Murray had just taken over that game, it really would have fit the narrative that I think a lot of people nationally have for the Cardinals. We heard it in the offseason and the the. I guess can't call it the preseason, but the weeks leading up to the start of the regular season. We heard that uh, that narrative of it's Kyler Murray and some of the Cardinals around him. But that wasn't the case last night. Kyler was fine. He's, he's still electrifying on some of these plays. He hasn't put together that game where he is just dominant. The offense hasn't put together that game where they collectively are just dominant. But last night's probably the closest we've seen to it under Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray as the quarterback. With that duo, that's what that's the second time they've uh, they've hit 38 points since those two got to Arizona. The other time was week 15 against Cleveland last season. To have a game like that, to have it on Monday night football and to win in such a way that is so convincing and have it be Buda Baker making plays and like memorable plays too. We were talking before the show, Cody and I, it's, you know, that, that play where he forces the fumble, he's being held for what feels like four minutes before he comes across and, and ends up forcing the fumble. He had the sack, he had the interception, which 
I know it's a big deal here in Arizona because it's Buddha's first interception, but that was just a nice interception in general. Like that was just a, that's the sort of interception where it's like you felt the momentum. Not that it was really on Dallas' side at that point, but you felt the momentum go completely to the Cardinals when he picked that off. It was just the style of the interception. It wasn't like, oh, it got bobbled and it landed in somebody's hands and that's an interception, but the quarterback knows it's not his fault and the receiver's pointing to himself and saying, okay, uh, sorry, it's my bad. That was a just, it's just a raw interception and like the, the most just visceral kind that you could have. He just picked it off and was going the other way. And the Cardinals, I mean, they just never looked back. They just, they never looked back in that game. And it was Buda Baker. It was Hassan Reddick. It was Kenyon Drake averaging over eight yards per carry and getting in the end zone twice. Christian Kirk, just a, a great reception uh, for that long touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins makes that catch. And the poor Cowboys defender who had his back to him and, and Hopkins is like kind of going left, kind of going right. And that, uh, <laughs> I said this last night. I don't know how, how Hopkins got tackled on that play because he just absolutely tied that defender uh, in, in knots running down the field. But just a an excellent all-around game by the Cardinals, both both from the local perspective and I think nationally as well, even though, and this was predictable, but a lot of the talk nationally today is about what's wrong with the Cowboys. And that's going to be, it's just going to be that way when Jerry Jones is your owner and you come into the season with, with the profile the Cowboys always have. But we said this going into the game yesterday, and, and, and I think it proved to be true. The Cardinals are a better team than Dallas, but the Cardinals also had to have that game more than Dallas. Cowboys are in maybe the worst division any of us has ever seen. They look horrible. They've won two out of six games, and they're in first place. So there is going to be some focus on the Cowboys today nationally. Like I said, that was to be expected. But locally, who cares? Because you've got a football team here now that you can, you can honestly have that conversation with your friends. This this should be a playoff team, right? This should at least be a playoff contender. You're four and two. Whether you think the quality of the of the Cardinals opponents to this point is enough to get excited about or not, the bottom line is we're over a third of the way into the season, and the Cardinals are four and two. It's going to be tough this week to beat Seattle. You're playing on a short week. Seattle hasn't played in two weeks by the time the game starts. But if you somehow do that, you're a half game out of first place in the NFC West. I mean, that's that's something else. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, well, we're going to go away from uh, football for just one second here this segment to let you know the World Series is going on tonight. Game one. Dodgers Rays, bottom of the third. It is 0-0. The Dodgers have a runner on first with two outs. It is Clayton Kershaw against Tyler Glasnow. It really feels like this is a huge game for Tampa specifically because if the Dodgers win game one and Kershaw pitches well, you wonder if if he kind of gets out of his own head for the rest of the series. And, you know, it's possible that he would pitch game four and game seven if it went that far. Now, same with Glasnow. And I think a lot of people, rightfully so, trust Glasnow more in the playoffs than they do Kershaw. But you also know Clayton Kershaw is an excellent pitcher, so it's entirely possible that if he, uh, if he, can, if he can get whatever bothers him in the playoffs fixed between the ears with a, a strong performance tonight, it's going to be really tough for the Rays. So this is... 
This is going to be a tough one for Tampa. They uh, they they need to get this one tonight. I, I really feel like Atlanta was the team built to take the Dodgers out. I hope I'm wrong, but Atlanta felt like the team because they had the hitting. Now they don't have the pitching Tampa does, so you know we'll, we'll see. But um, it's a it's a very pivotal game one just because of the history of Clayton Kershaw as he takes the mound tonight. Back to the NFL, and I told you Dallas is uh, has been the focal point so far today when talking about that game yesterday nationally some of it is uh, simply the fact that the Cowboys seem to be imploding players are anonymously venting about the coaching staff of the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy has made some some odd decisions this season you know earlier in the year with they had, I think they had two fake punts in the same game and it was the if I remember right the Atlanta game that they ended up getting lucky to win so you have that that's going well for Dallas uh, Andy Dalton did not look good last night. I don't think it was all his fault by any means, but he didn't look good. Ezekiel Elliott looked terrible, honestly. I mean, everybody's entitled to a bad game or two, but uh, that team right now is built around Zeke, and he fumbled twice and had less than 50 yards rushing. He didn't look like he wanted to even be there. No. It would have been cool if he uh, stopped being there, oh, I don't know, two plays sooner so I didn't lose my fantasy football matchup by less than a point to the guy that had Ezekiel in it, but hey, you know, not. why not? Why not have him out there when you're down 31-3 and sh- throw short passes to him so he can get flipped on his head? That's great, Coach. Um, Jerry Jones, not happy, told 105.3 in Dallas that um, he's not real, not real uh, keen on the fact that they are just a playoff team because they're in the NFC East. Quote, I'm not in a feel-good mood, frankly, that we've got manna from heaven being in the East. These things have a way of evening out as you go along. Certainly the NFC East is having its challenges now, blah, 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 and all that. But uh, unquote. Unquote after the blahs. That is is not a good-looking football team right now. They were not really a good-looking football team with Dak. And Dak was putting up insane numbers. CeeDee Lamb... There's a there's an alternate universe where he's rookie of the year if you can't give it to a quarterback. Quarterbacks always seem to win it. But um, he's been outstanding. Amari Cooper's still good. Michael Gallup is, I mean, if he's your third receiver, that's pretty nice. But that defense is miserable. And Zeke hasn't really looked right on a few occasions this season. And now with Andy Dalton in there, and their offensive line is beat up. And I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Dallas. Everybody has injuries. Cardinals are playing without their best defensive player. But they responded last night. And Dallas just kind of, I don't know what Dallas was doing last night, to be honest. And I loved every minute of it. Uh, Finally, one other note from the NFL. Miami Dolphins, who are on a pretty nice run this season. They're, what, now only a game out of first in the AFC East. They're ahead of the Patriots. Brian Flores has looked like a pretty good hire as, as head coach ever since he, about midway through last season, his first year as the head coach. Making a quarterback switch when they come out of their bye week that's coming up this week. So it's two a time officially in Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the consummate vet on that team. And you know, he was he knew all along he was going to be turning this over to Tua at some point. I'm a little surprised that it's after they've won three of their last four games. I know he didn't have like an amazing outing against the Jets because they didn't need him to. But the week before, 350 yards and a 43-17 win over San Francisco. Kept them close against Seattle the week before that. And then uh, the week before that, they beat Jacksonville, which really means nothing. But still, Miami 3-3 three and three and making the quarterback switch. So they're saying the future is now. On the one hand, they do have the bye week this week. So it makes sense that if you're going to make that, that 
transition, you want to do it coming out of the bye week. But uh, it affects the Cardinals because Miami's got a bye week this week. they got the Rams November 1st. They've got the Cardinals November 8th. So the Cardinals are going to see Tua under center for the Miami Dolphins when they play them. And it's just another reminder that when you sit there and try and try and hash out how the schedule is going to go for the Cardinals and you say, okay, well, they're going to win this one, they're going to lose this one, stuff changes so much. You know, you didn't think you were going to be playing Dallas minus Dak last night. Now you're playing the Dolphins with Tua instead of Fitzpatrick on November 8th. And I'm not even saying that makes Miami worse, but it is a rookie quarterback. That'll be just his second NFL start. So a game that maybe a week or two ago you were looking at saying, ah, that's going to be a hard one for the Cardinals. It's not going to be easy now, but it's different. It's a completely different dynamic. You're not facing a veteran quarterback on November 8th. You're facing a rookie making his second career NFL start. So, yeah, that's that's a much different storyline heading into that one. All right, when we come back, a number of Cardinals had breakout performances last night. Which one needed it most? We'll discuss it next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. You can always tweet into the show at Rundown987. Tweet me at Luke Lipinski. You can tweet Cody Fincher behind the glass at Bear987. On the show page today, we have a poll question. I appreciate your input on this one. Which Arizona Cardinals player needed their big game last night the most? And I gave you three options and then the other. You can always write in with that other. Uh, Hassan Reddick, Kenyon Drake, Christian Kirk, or other. And as far as others, saw a couple Byron Murphy responses, which um, I agree. He would have been the fourth one I put on there, but then there wouldn't have been room for other. So Kenyon Drake is running away with it, 54.8%. Hassan Reddick and Christian Kirk, pretty even, right around 21%. Kirk's 21. Uh, Reddick is 20.6%. I think I would have voted for Drake, too. I... um. Just because, you know, Kirk had a Kirk had a big night. I don't want to take away from it, but he only had two catches, and and he's been productive at times this season. I mean, Kirk would have been my second choice. Uh, actually, I'm talking myself into Kirk, but um, Kenyon Drake just you know all the hoopla and all the hype over him in the off season, and we, we've talked about it on the show before. He was excellent in a few of the games when he came over mid season last year. There was other games where he was just average. You know, he was just a, a lot of the reason that people got so excited about Kenyon Drake here locally was that he wasn't David Johnson. And you saw how the Cardinals coaching staff trusted Kenyon Drake so much more than David Johnson. And by the time we got to week 15, 16, 17 last season, and people locally were talking about can they just cut David Johnson, which was never a thing they were going to do. But I didn't believe they were going to be able to trade David Johnson and his entire contract for anything, let alone DeAndre Hopkins. That's a whole other level. But uh, but I do think that was a lot of the excitement about Kenyon Drake last season was just that he wasn't David Johnson, and you know, and he and he he, he played with more excitement. You know, it's it's just it's your body language too. It's not like David Johnson had a bad attitude last season, but he just you know. He would get hit and he would get tackled, and that and that was kind of it. And you could tell he was he was frustrated and he was getting less and less playing time. And you know, whereas Kenyon Drake was like all energy and he was so excited to be out of Miami because Miami was terrible last year. And uh, and and he made the most of it. 
Sometimes, you know, again, I go back to last season and it's like he comes in, has that amazing game on Monday Night Football. It's 110 yards and a touchdown. It's, you know, they're not rewriting the record books, but it's amazing because he only had two days to prepare with his new team. But then, like I said, I mean, he, he got over 40 yards once on the ground in his next four games. Got 67 against San Francisco. You know, it, it's he wasn't amazing in five of his eight games with the Cardinals last year and, and none of his games with the, uh, with the Dolphins. So that's why I think it was most important for him to have a big game last night because he's, he's still a big part of this offense. And, you know, the conversation was turning to should they give Chase Edmonds the ball more? Is, does this need to be a, a 50-50 split? Is Chase Edmonds the future at, that, at the position for the Cardinals? And that might still very well be the case. But if we really are going to talk about playoffs with this team, and I think it's fair that we can, then you need Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds to be going. But ideally, you want to have Kenyon Drake be the the lead guy. You want to have you want to have a number one and then just a really good number two running back, which I, which Chase Edmonds is. But you know you got to have two backs in the NFL in twenty twenty anyway. Some teams need three or four to be able to make it work. I, just, I think it was big to see him go out there and, and not just you know not just get in the end zone once or twice, but also to have the 164 yards rushing and to just just to be able to take over when he needed to. So that would be my answer as well. He's winning the 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 poll, but uh, Hassan Reddick really nice pass defense on uh, when they were trying to. I mean, it was pretty clear early. Andy Dalton was only going to throw to to Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield, and uh, and that was one of the plays that Hassan Reddick broke up the pass. But then he gets two sacks too, and. It's going to be interesting if he continues to deliver for this Cardinals team this year because a lot of people thought coming into this season either he wasn't still on the team or this was definitely his last season with the team. And it's not like he's their defensive MVP, but they're getting something out of him. And and it's not it's isn't one of those things where like, "Oh good, look at Hassan Reddick, good for him. He made three tackles last night." Like, no, he's he's making plays that impact these games. This is not this is not like a feel-good story, or this is not a, oh, that's kind of cool. The guy that everybody labeled a, a first-round bust now for a couple years is uh, is at least finding a way onto the field. Like, no, he's, he's making plays. And if he's going to be a pass rusher, well, that's what they need most right now without Chandler Jones. It was encouraging, uh, to say the least, to see the Cardinals go out there and get three sacks last night, and Reddick had two of them. The other one, Buda Baker. Buda Baker's not on this list because he didn't need a big game last night. But uh, not compared to these guys, because he's already <laughs> highest paid safety in football, and he's already playing very well. But that was his best game as a Cardinal last night, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It it was fortunate that the Cardinals were on national television last night, because I'm sure there's a lot of people like, Buda Baker? <laughs> this guy doesn't have an interception. How is he the highest paid safety in the league? Well, last night you saw why the Cardinals paid him. And gave him that extension. He is a human heat-seeking missile that will destroy you at first chance. <laughs> and I love it. Oh, he's he's the most he's he's the most fun player to watch on the Cardinals defense. He's every time there's a play, thirty-two is there. He's he gets he's, involved. He's every time. Yep, yep. You know, it's one of those things that I I, I don't know anybody who didn't like that pick when they made it when the Cardinals got him in the second round. And I don't know if it's because we all saw him play in the Pac-12. Maybe that helped a little bit um, with him playing at, at the University of Washington. But it, you know, it also wasn't like, oh, well, he went to U of A or ASU, so we had to take him. Like, no, this, you know, this is, this is not, it's not like he played 
college football locally. It's not like he's a local kid, but we all saw him play in college and just the, the glowing review of, of his game and his leadership at the University of Washington. That has all translated directly uh, into the NFL for the Cardinals. And, and it's, I mean, it's working out great for them and it's working out great for Buda Baker too. All right, ironically, the guy who really didn't have a, a breakout performance last night is Kyler Murray. His numbers were, they were fine. Actually, they weren't even fine passing-wise. 9 for 24 is not fine. 188 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, though. And that was the thing for Kyler last night. And I don't know that this has been talked about enough. It says something about him that he didn't go into that stadium, having played high school football just down the street and having been undefeated in high school and college. And all the talk leading up to this game is here's Kyler Murray coming home and he's going to take over. And I said this on the postgame show last night. I thought he would be the reason the, uh, the reason the Cardinals won that game last night. And he really, you know, he, he wasn't. I mean, he was part of the reason. But to have all that hype going into the game, and he really is the Cardinal that, that the national audience knows other than Larry Fitzgerald, he didn't try and do too much. Comes out of the game with two touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, that's that's a mature way to uh, to navigate through a game like that. Couple long passes downfield, which is what we wanted to see. We've been looking for that now for the, the really since he got here, but especially this season. And we've now seen it each of the last two weeks, albeit against the Jets and the Cowboys defense, but. And I, I mentioned this on the uh, on ArizonaSports.com. They had us do uh, the host react to the game right after uh, with uh, with a piece. We just all you know, a couple paragraphs or whatever are just initial reactions to the game. And you know, one of the things that that really stood out was the fact that Kyler Murray was able to step in there and, and just and play the way that he he did and not try to do too much and to make the plays that he had to make. And you know, this was essentially a get right game for the Cardinals, probably not one that they expected. To be a get-right game, you expect the Jets game to be the one where it's like, okay, ideally we're going to be beating that team by so much that we're going to be able to work on stuff in the second half, as as insulting as that is to say about an NFL team. But it's also the truth. The Jets are terrible. But the Cowboys, I mean, this was... A lot of people thought the Cardinals were going to lose that game going in last night. It was, you know, probably 50-50 at best. For them to go out there and just hammer that team so much that they could make sure they got some passes downfield and they could get Kenyon Drake right and you know you, you could get Christian Kirk involved again and I don't know just to be able to do that against a team like this it's so big because again you've got Seattle coming up on Sunday and it's such a it's almost unfair the way the schedule breaks right I mean the Cardinals play Monday night they turn around and play Sunday against Seattle and you could sit there and say okay well big deal Luke teams have to do that all the time yeah not usually against a team that's coming off a bye week. Seattle gets 14 days to prepare. The Cardinals get six, and they're Seattle. They should have to sit Russell Wilson for like one quarter, preferably the fourth quarter. But so you have that. You know that's the scenario in front of you. Well, the best way to to go into that game is off two very lopsided victories like the Cardinals have had, where they have got to work on some passes downfield and the running game and getting some of these guys on defense going. I mean, Vance Joseph was was probably the biggest winner of all for the Cardinals last night. He probably should have been in that poll. But, um, yeah, just, a, you know, it's, it's encouraging that you can win a game like that 
and you didn't have to rely on Kyler Murray to win it for you. And I also do think it's encouraging that he didn't take it upon himself to say, no, this has to be about me. I'm going to force it. He just wants to win. Got the win. Cardinals 4-2 and two now. All right, we come back. I mentioned it. Vance Joseph was probably the biggest winner of all for the Cardinals last night. How did the defense respond as well as it did? We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You have all the things to feel good about if you're a Cardinals fan from last night's win over the Dallas Cowboys. The defense has to be at the top of the list. This is Brian Greasy who was calling the game uh, as it wrapped up. This is what he had to say about the Cardinals defense. I think on the defensive side, we learned something tonight from the Arizona Cardinals. Vance Joseph called a very aggressive game, which we didn't know how he was going to call it coming in with all the weapons that Dallas has on the offensive side. But if this defense, which was one of the worst in the NFL a year ago, if they can continue to improve, now I think Arizona might have something going in the NFC West. That's what was so impressive about that game last night. If you boil it down, you had two teams coming in off of games in which they won, but had major injuries. And if you want to make it as simple as possible, the Cowboys didn't know how to respond, and the Cardinals did. Or the the, the Cowboys just weren't emotionally ready to respond, and the Cardinals were. Look, I get you can have the debate of, well, you know, the Cowboys lost their quarterback. That's much different. Yeah, well, it, yeah. Every every position on the field is different. I'm not. <laughs> I don't care how the Cowboys do for the rest of the season. I just care how they were going to do last night against the Cardinals. And you know, I guess on some level, it's it's understandable that the Cowboys looked out of sorts because it is their quarterback. But the Cardinals defensively didn't, and that's really what I. That's that's all we care about, right? How were they going to respond without Chandler Jones? You heard Brian Greasy say it right there. Vance Joseph was more aggressive. Buda Baker played out of his mind. Byron Murphy had his best game as a Cardinal. Hassan Reddick keeps making plays. Dennis Gardick is, is a spark plug when he's out there. Instead of wilting, the Cardinals' defense rose up. They could have won this game 38-35. I think a lot of people thought they were going to. I thought they were going to win like 34-24, 34-28. And we'd still feel good about it. We'd be talking about how the Cardinals are 4-2, and two, tied with the Rams for second place in the NFC West. But the fact that the defense played so well, that's encouraging because the Cowboys' strength is on offense. Andy Dalton is not Mitch Trubisky. Andy Dalton is not some... You know, random backup quarterback that when he comes in, you're like, what, who is this guy? He, yeah, he played like four years ago and they gave him a tryout or something. No, I mean, Andy Dalton has started 200 plus games in the NFL. He didn't look good last night and he may not look good the rest of the season. I don't know. But that's still an offense with Ezekiel Elliott, who the Cardinals shut down and made fumble twice. And an offense with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And some of those guys put up a little bit of numbers in the second half. Like Cooper finished with seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. He didn't do anything in the first half. None of them did. So, again, the most encouraging thing from that game last night, on top of the win, is that the Cardinals' defense showed some resiliency and an ability to rise up when their best player is done and they know he's done for the year. 
Or maybe Chandler Jones isn't their best defensive player. I mean, this season it's been Buda Baker. But Chandler's been the guy for the last four years. It's a big loss. And we didn't know coming in. It's like, are they going to be able to even get to the opposing quarterback? Even though Chandler only had one sack in the first four and a half games, was he commanding all of the attention from opposing offensive linemen? And that's why other Cardinals were getting sacks. Well, at least for last, last night's game, they were able to get to Andy Dalton. Cliff Kingsbury on with Bickley and Murata this afternoon as he is every day after a game day. It's usually Monday, but this week it was Tuesday. Talking about Buda Baker. Yeah, he's phenomenal. I mean, y'all watch the game. It looks like 32 is, there's three of them out there. Um, and, <laughs> and the intensity, the fearlessness that, that he brings, um, the other guys feed off of. And when he's out there, we're, we're just a different team, not just defensively, but offensively, special teams. Uh, he brings so much. And, um, you know, this past week, our uh, captains came to me with Chandler uh, being injured and, and thought it was the appropriate thing to, to add Buda as a captain. And I can't think of a more deserving player and person and so um what an awesome honor for him yeah well, he certainly rose to the occasion and he did tweet about it after the game you know you never know how much an honor like that means to a player but Buddha tweeting out after the game he felt like he had to play better because he was wearing the c on his chest and he certainly did and he should be a captain yeah, i mean that's it, i don't want to say it was inevitable because it hadn't happened yet but he should be and i think he will be now for a while more from cliff Vance Joseph had the defense ready to go last night. You know, I think week in, week out, he does a tremendous job. But um, you could tell throughout the week those guys were dialed in, um, had great focus pregame, great energy, and they flew around and uh, were competitive the entire entire night against a, you know, a high-powered offense who'd been throwing the ball over the yard. Um, when Dawn came in the week before, you know, they had some big drives to go win that game and tremendous receiving core, and I thought our guys did a great job of, of answering the bell. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. It's you know they have to sustain it, obviously, going forward, or some some version of it. But it it is a big deal that the defense responded. Somebody was going to have to win that battle between the Cardinals' defense and the Cowboys' offense last night. Both of them losing one of their most important pieces the week before. But for the Cardinals' defense to win it so emphatically and to force four turnovers when they just I mean that's been a knock on this defense. That's that's so pivotal for their season and for Vance Joseph. I mean, I don't think it was it was out of the realm of possibility that if they had gone out there and struggled defensively against the Jets and then lost to the Cowboys and the Seahawks, I'm not saying they were going to fire Vance Joseph, but you know, again, bye weeks are are a, a, a turning point for a lot of teams. We're seeing it with Miami right now. They're doing well and they're switching quarterbacks because it's the bye week. There was talk. There was rumblings. I know Cardinals fans were talking about it. Two and two after the loss to Carolina. And that was, again, to be fair to the Cardinals defense, the one game this season where they haven't been able to get off the field on third down. But everybody was panicking after that loss. And we didn't know that Carolina was necessarily a decent team yet. They've kind of showed that they are since then. But there was certainly talk among Cardinals fans. You know, what if what if the defense looks bad again against the Jets? Or what if what if the unthinkable, what if the Cardinals lose to the Jets? Ultimately, we saw how the Jets played firsthand and realized that's mathematically impossible and scientifically impossible, and it's all sorts of impossible to lose to the Jets. But for Vance Joseph to have that defense play well against the Jets, that's not going to do anything. For you know, it, It's good. It helps them get the win. He can feel good about it, and the defense internally can feel good about it. That's not really going to do a whole lot to help the perception of Vance Joseph. 
You go out there and shut down the Cowboys the way they did, so emphatically, yeah. I feel a lot better about Vance Joseph's defense now than I did two weeks ago. How can you not? That Cowboys offense is loaded. I know they're beat up, but they're still loaded. And to hold them to 10 points and embarrass them the way the Cardinals' defense did, that's something you do if you have the Ravens' defense or the Steelers' defense you know, or one of these truly elite defenses around the NFL. The Cardinals are not built around having an elite defense. They are built with the hope that their defense can be middle of the pack and you know, make some plays occasionally and not burn them and allow their offense to win them games. Last night, the defense won the Cardinals that game. I mean, the offense did their job too. You win by 28, and the game isn't even as close as the score indicated. Everybody did their part. But the defense really set the tone. And remember, the first quarter of that game last night was kind of a lot of nothing, really. I mean, the offense didn't do anything. Had field position, what they started at, the, like the Dallas, just right at, basically at the 50-yard line, did nothing on one of their drives. It was 0-0 going into the second quarter, and then the turnover started, and the Cardinals were able to attack, and, and that was that. I remember one last week we did an over-under. We said over-under 55 points for that game, and after the first quarter I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> oh no. That that was the final over under like by Vegas going in was fifty five and a half I think so I mean we had we had the right number but uh, yeah I mean not even close I guess forty eight but uh, yeah not even close. <laughs> Sticking with football here, of course, after a game like that last night. Cliff Kingsbury asked this afternoon about Isaiah Simmons. We're going to continue to, to work him in, and you, you see the flashes of athleticism, and um, you know he covers that guy down the seam, stride for stride. Um, so it, it's it's all there physically and athletically, and I, I really thought the game slowed down for him a little bit last night, and then I think it'll continue to do so, and, and so we'll kind of see where that, that goes. You can see the raw talent and the skill with Isaiah Simmons, but you know, emphasis on raw. He just, he's not there yet. He doesn't look like he knows entirely where to be even pre-snap. And again, it's, it's understandable to a certain extent, but we are seeing a lot of rookies and I know every, every position is different, but we are seeing a lot of rookies around the NFL really excel uh, at this point in the season too. So it would be nice to, uh, to see Isaiah Simmons progress. As you heard Cliff Kingsbury say right there, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit faster, but that was, um, that was not a major storyline in the game last night. It was, it was, it was a thought going in. It was an afterthought afterwards. You know, you you, you wonder going in. Okay, you, you lost a big piece of your defense. How much more are we going to see of player A or player B or player C? How, you know, how's the rotation going to look? And with Isaiah Simmons, we saw him a little bit more, but it very clearly is what Cliff Kingsbury has been repeatedly referring to as a work in progress. One other NFL note. I just have to pass this along because I want to see Cody's reaction. Oh, great. Um, the Washington football team. Decent chance they're the Washington football team next season, too. Okay. Because they can't think up a new name in that much time. I don't know. <laughs> that seems just <laughs> fitting, though, or is, right? Yeah. For, for that franchise to just be called the football team, I kind of like it. it it's It's sort of, yeah, but... I mean, are they even really a football team? If you this look at year, it? they're not. No, okay. they're not. 
Uh, quote, there's a pretty good chance we will be the Washington football team next season, unquote. That's from team president Jason Wright this afternoon. They, um, uh, and he goes on, quote, I think next year is fast because of how the brand has to come together through uniforms, through approval processes, through the league, uh, unquote. Yeah, look, I get that, but come on. That first, <laughs> that first sentence, the name. that first sentence you read sounded like, well, I guess we'll still be a team next year. <laughs> we'll still be in the NFL. But yeah. how do they not have something in mind after all the years and years of people like clamoring for them to change their name? Well, that's the thing. A buddy of mine asked me. The Shouldn't other they day, have been prepared? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Somebody asked me that the other day. They were like, wait, so are they still going to be the football team? Like just the football team all season? And this was before the news came out today. They're probably going to be the football team next season. And I was trying to explain like, you know, yeah, the, because this because they made the change so late in the process right before the season. And their reaction was was pretty pretty spot on. Of It was essentially what you just said, Cody. Why didn't they make this change 10 years ago? Or at least be aware that eventually you were going to have to change it so you had a name in mind. So I, I get it maybe for this season because of what he said about the branding and the uniforms yeah, and all that. Yeah, okay. But like, how are you not ready for next year? How is stuff not submitted? I want to say I'm stunned, but it's the Washington I'm football team. So I'm, I'm not stunned. I'm not stunned, yeah. I, I mean, I can ask all day how and why, but at the end of the day, it's Washington NFL franchise. It is It is sort of cool, though, because they have no logo, basically, that they just have like the W in the circle. How the different TV stations, like when they're on one channel or when ESPN's doing the highlights, how they're all like trying to give their in- artistic interpretation of what their non-logo looks like. I also like just their numbers on the helmet. It kind of looks like yeah. a college team, but it, it looks pretty cool. Look like a college team, play like a college team. It's, it's Well, it's uh, more like a high school team. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, get, get used to saying the Washington football team for a while if you haven't already. All right, when we come back, playoffs. Should they be in the Cardinals' future? We can certainly talk about it without, without getting laughed at at this point. The team is 4-2. and two. There's some encouraging signs now as we head towards the, uh, the second third of the season. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown. 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station. Looking at the ESPN power rankings, Cody, have you seen these yet? Care to guess where the Cardinals are after last night's win, four and two this season? Where ESPN has them in the power ranking? Where were they before? They were uh, 16th heading into this past week. I'm going to say 14th. Yeah, still 16th. What? That bothers me. I know they're just. Whatever they're they're powering their subjective power rankings. They don't mean anything. This isn't college football. It's not like where you are ranked ultimately matters. You you actually get to go out there and and decide it with your play on the field in the NFL. But how do you not move up by hammering Dallas in Dallas on Monday yeah, Night Football? Like I guess I get that Dallas isn't that good, but I don't know. <sighs> if, the, if, if if the they had, way they won that should have yeah. warranted at least a move up a little bit. If they had gone from 19 to 16, it wouldn't bother me. But the fact that they were 16, they obliterate Dallas on Monday Night Football, and they stay 16, doesn't make any sense to me. And, and, I mean, whether it was right of whoever makes the odds of Vegas or not, the Dallas Cowboys were favored in that game. 
Yeah, by the end, right? I, th- I think the Cardinals opened as the favorites, and, and I think people they, bet Dallas so and much. And they changed it maybe because Chandler Jones got hurt. I don't know what made them change it. I thought they, I thought it, they changed it before the game started. I thought before the game started, the the Cowboys were somehow favored. Yeah, no, I'm saying like last Sunday, the Cardinals oh. started favored, and then so many people yeah, bet on yeah. Dallas that it moved. Uh, a couple of teams in front of them. I mean, I don't have a, a huge problem with any of these teams being in front of them necessarily. I think the Cardinals are better than some of them. They have the Raiders at 15, the Patriots 14th, the Browns 13th. I mean, the Browns and the Cardinals have the same record, and the Cardinals have a quarterback, so I, I like the Cardinals more. Uh, the Colts at 12. I like the Cardinals more than the Colts right now. Uh, the Bears 11. I mean, they are 5-1. and one. I'm, I'm not sure how they are 5-1. and one. The Rams, same record as the Cardinals. They've only beaten teams from the NFC East so far this season, and they are 10th, whereas the Cardinals are 16th. So... Like I said, they, the actual the number, Rams should be punished for only having beaten teams in the NFC East. Yeah, I mean you shouldn't even get that. Should be an automatic <laughs> mark on your record. Uh, but the bigger picture here, if you're a Cardinals fan today, I, I think you have to. I, I know we're so hesitant in this city to get excited and openly talk about, hey, you know, this could be a playoff team or this should be a playoff team or whatever, because we've been burned so many times with all of the teams in the city. So I totally get it. And I'm not sitting here today on October 20th saying, well, the Cardinals are 4-2 and two and they just beat Dallas, so they're definitely making the playoffs. I don't know why I would say it in that voice. Uh, clearly, if I was saying it in that voice, I, I don't mean it. Because that means it, it just sounds more official. It, does it? It sounds more like I'm stealing money from you as I'm talking to you or something. Uh, but at 4-2, and two, I mean, you've got one division in the NFC East. In the uh, One division in the conference is not getting a wild card team. Okay, so go ahead. Just wipe that out. There's One team will come from the NFC East, and that team won't be deserving. And the more I watch, the more I think it's going to be Philadelphia, actually. But they have one win, and it's October 20th. And they're only a half game out of first. But if you're, if you're looking at playoffs, if you're just looking at making the playoffs, remember, three wild cards now in each conference. So if you're the Cardinals, you're still very much in the running for the division. I don't think Seattle is going to let anybody else catch them. But you're only a game and a half back and you play Seattle twice. So let's just for a second, let's just say, let's look at the wild card contenders. Well, the Rams are four and two. You know, over in the South, the Saints are three and two, the Panthers are three and three. In the north, the Packers are four and one. So what the, the Cardinals right now are tied for the second wild card in the NFC. I know it's early. But it's not that early. It's not like I'm sitting here saying, well, the Cardinals are 1-0. They'd be in the playoffs if the season ended after one week. We're six games in. And now the schedule gets a lot more challenging for the Cardinals, at least in theory. Again, though, Miami's going to be starting a rookie quarterback against them in a couple weeks. Uh, but still, you've got Seattle this week. You've got uh, the bye week. You've got Miami. Then you've got Buffalo, Seattle again, the Patriots. I don't know what to make of the Patriots at this point. They're 2-3, and three and they looked miserable against Denver. But I think at this point, we're not enjoying this as much as we should if we're not at least talking playoffs. And and, and get, get your hopes up just a little bit, right? You're 4-2. and two. We should be allowed to get our hopes up a little bit. And big picture, no matter what, this team is definitely heading in the right direction. They won five games all of last year. They've already won four through their first six games. I mean, this is tangible progress now, year over year, the last two seasons. 
To be fair, it was impossible to not make some progress from 2018 to 2019 because 2018 was the Mendoza line for football. But to make this jump this year, and they're doing it more as a team. I mean, again, Kyler's actually been less accurate this year in a lot of ways. You have to be excited about where this team's going. You, you, just, you have to. And this is how exciting is this to have a Seahawks game on Sunday that isn't just, uh, well, this will be fun because it's Cardinals, Seahawks, and anything goes. No, if you win this game, you're a half game back of first. If you win this game, you end Seattle's undefeated run this season. You win this game this week, I mean, that's you are really setting yourself up in a good position to make the playoffs. We just haven't been able to talk like this since 2015. When's the last time we could have a real conversation about the Cardinals making the playoffs in season? 2015. Last time they made the playoffs. All right, before we get out of here, just let me give you an update on the World Series game that's going on. Bottom of the fifth, Dodgers up 2-1. to one. So, Cody, it was a two-run home run by Cody Bellinger, right? And then yep. Kevin Kiermeyer hit a solo shot for Tampa in the top of the fifth. So it's 2-1. It's like Mookie Betts is on second. Tyler Glass now still in and pitching Corey Seager at the plate. No outs in the fifth inning. Uh, did you see this, Cody? This is another attempt by not really so much me, but like the universe to make you angry. I feel like it's you. Well, I'm just... You I, are a part of the universe, though. That's true. Technically, so are you, though. I'm just relaying information, okay? The messenger. Rob Manfred wants to... (laughs) Say no more. (laughs) Rob Manfred um, wants to keep some of these these new rules that they put in place for this weird 2020 season. One of them I've kind of come around on. He, he He wants expanded playoffs still going forward. Now, I read deeper into the story... He's not saying 16 teams. Remember, baseball for the longest time had, what, four that made the playoffs? Uh, we eventually got it to 10. And I was kind of like, yeah, 10. 10's, 10's the limit. These playoffs have been a lot of fun. I wouldn't hate it if they moved to 12. I think if you go any more than 12, though, you are just completely cheapening the regular season. So he acknowledged that it's going to be tough to, to get the Players Association and everybody to sign off on that and, uh, and that 16 is probably too many because... You know, like I just said, he even Rob Manfred admitted that pretty much um, that nullifies like half of your 162 game regular season. And but, I, I love the one game wild card game, the yeah. one game elimination. It's just so much fun. I think with 12 the chaos, what, so that'd be six to each league. I mean, you could, I don't know, you could still have the one game and somehow. You, I, you could have like three versus six and four versus five or something. Give, I, I like any format that gives the top team or two in each league or conference, uh, depending on the sport. A little bit of an advantage. Here's the one you're going to hate. He wants he he wants to keep the rule where the uh, the tenth inning starts with a runner on second. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's just the commissioner that wants to do it. So I mean, what power does he have, right? I don't. I mean, every middle reliever and closer is going to vote against that one. So you know, stay tuned. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Short show. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been a rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.